Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to Shut Up and Laugh. My name is Brian Trendler. I'm a local podcaster in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm thrilled to be speaking to each and every one of you, my listenership, and now seeing you all on Zoom, thanks to technology and what we're all faced with over the last year. Um, I have a great little podcast that I love producing for each and every one of you out there, and I get to sit across from some pretty phenomenal people every single week. And tonight, I'll be introducing a guy who I'm very thrilled to be sitting with. And unfortunately, we are separated by distance due to the current situation. Uh, but first, I just want to mention that if you're interested in being a sponsor of this show, please go to the website, which is simply laughtech, L-A-F-T-E-C-H-N-W.com forward slash shut up and laugh. And you can look at all the information there. There's options available. You can also go to the Anchor hosting website, and I'll post that um, in the details later on. Um, I do have a couple sponsors to mention very quickly. Dreamosity, a social media training company. Marcel Allen can teach you all the things you think you know you're doing right about your social media posting and marketing. She can help do it better for you. Um, LT's pet sitting. If you're away, if you're working, if you can't get home in time, she will come to your home and take care of your four-legged friends so you can relax and know that their little tiny legs are no longer crossed. Also, Gentle Frog's custom QuickBooks training, longest name in the industry, but the highest rated QuickBooks trainer in the Pacific Northwest. Rachel Barnett is amazing. And just like Dreamosity, she'll teach you all the things you think you're doing well so you can finesse your business and be as effective as possible. So thank you very much for our sponsors that round out the year in 2020. And we're all looking forward to hopefully nothing but positivity in the year to come. So without further ado, Dan Mills, hello. And thank you so much for being part of our show. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Good you to bet. see you again. It's good to see you. Um, for the sake of our listeners and our now viewers, um, we don't know each other that well. But the cool thing is I kind of feel that you're a kindred spirit because some of the things we're doing have some of the likeness to them. I'll explain what that means. Um, you are an amazing stand-up comedian. And oh, um, we have had you on our stage at the Laugh Tech events for um, comedy nights. But also I had the joy of hiring you and then letting you go <laughs> before an event happened right at the beginning stages of the pandemic. So that was fun. I say that with the utmost sarcasm. Um, but let's talk about that in just a minute or two, because I'm finding myself jump ahead. Let's give the background of who you are. Um, I do a very deep dive um, to all of our interviewees, <laughs> which um, Dan is now laughing because he already knows what what piles of crap I'm shoveling. Um, I look in a few places, LinkedIn, uh, you know, uh, police reports, whatever it takes to get some information about people I'm about to sit across. Um, you are an occupational therapist. Correct. We're also a comedian. I, I, I gave that up already. And again, you studied occupational therapy at Eastern Washington University. So kudos. You went for the degree. Not something you get out of the back of a van. I'm proud of you. Unlike my you know, graphic design degree, which no one cares about. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm only going to say one other thing about your deep, dirty, sordid past. You have the coolest quote on one of your social media pages, and it says, working to be your dad's favorite comedian and your grandma's favorite therapist. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, that, that feels like it worked itself way into your tell us what you're doing right now thing. Um, tell us yeah. about what you do. Yeah. So as far as my, my, like my day job, your day job to support your comedy habit. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, for the past 11 years, I've been working as an occupational therapist, which a lot of people don't know what that means. They, they've usually heard speech therapist yeah, yeah. or, or physical therapist, but I work in an inpatient setting. So after somebody leaves the hospital and they're too sick to go home, mm -hmm. they will come to a center like mine where it is round the clock nursing care, but they're receiving a couple hours of rehab per day. And so this so, is physical therapy type of rehab. It is, okay. it is, but okay. it's occupational therapy. Which oh, is okay. The, so thank you. That is, she see, yeah. this is one of my questions that you, <laughs> that you've unintentionally stolen from me. I, I don't understand what you do and I feel stupid, but I'm sure I'm not, I'm not alone. There's probably a lot of people that don't understand. So deep dive into those differentials. Totally. When, when yeah. we got our master's degree, they, they let us know like, Hey, you're going to have to always explain what it is you do. <laughs> and, and that's totally fine. My dad doesn't even know what I do. He's like, Oh yeah. He's one of those occupational physical therapists. And 
It, he just puts them both together. Right, he just lumps them together because it's easier. Uh, what, but, was your degree spelled phonetically? Uh, you know, like the occupational. Like, did, oh, yeah. Did right. they have to spell it. it? Was it a banner or was it the normal eight and a half by 11? Right, it was just a, just a normal one. And people are like, oh, sweet. So you find people jobs. That's really neat. Uh, which, I mean... It makes sense because that is what people typically perceive occupations as. But with my career and the area that I work, people's occupations, usually I'm working with seniors. Okay. Uh, their job, their life tasks are surviving and thriving within their home. So okay. whether it's teaching them to like, let's say they have a big stroke or a illness or injury, teaching them how to do uh, they're bathing, they're dressing, cooking, cleaning, um, some of those things where we have to teach them how to do it again. But lots sure. of times there is things like, uh, you know, you just have to get somebody stronger. And so I do a lot of, you know, work with people's upper bodies. Yeah. Um, working on that. So it's, it's a little convoluted, but the thing that I love about it is every day there's some type of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is what you know this thing happens it goes on this track it, it requires a ton of creativity mm. um you know I, I always say 10 cent solutions to dollar problems you know so trying to figure out how do we you know all these people are on a fixed income how do yeah. we meet all yeah. your needs with very little money so it's a so good you're one. essentially teaching people or teaching elderly how to be properly self-sufficient old people yeah, just kind of yeah. get back into the swing of things. I mean, do you, do you do you do a lot of muscle memory type of work with them? Because that's one thing I remember from some of the experiences I've had, where some of those basic things, I won't say get forgotten unless you're looking at mm-hmm. like an Alzheimer's type of patient. But I mean, do you have to deal with those types of things? Because I'm I'm not fishing here, but some of those things can be really almost amusing and yet sad and you have to kind of keep a certain attitude when you're dealing with these things right how how do you deal with that yeah so i guess to go to your your first part i um, I asked you 10 questions there (laughs) (laughs) that that we do you know every every person's a little different so you treat Mm -hmm. a stroke very different than you would a knee replacement um but the whole point is them getting to be back in independent so they can just live their life as it once was. Mm-hmm. And there are things where we're, we're trying to, you know, they, they forgot how to walk or I have a patient right now who um, leaning back at a, like a 45 degree angle is what feels like a normal position for them. So oh, as gosh. soon as they move, they're, they're going down. Oh, wow. So there is a lot of retraining of okay. their whole kind of neurological system. Um, and then going through the, you know, amusing and sad kind of mix. Yes, uh, it, it can be sometimes deeply, deeply saddening. And then yeah. that doesn't mean that you're spared absolutely hilarious moments, yeah. you know. And, and so I think the, the part of it is it's a weird thing of being able to connect in the moment with the person mm-hmm. and then be able to step back and do like a little review of what just happened yeah and if you're gonna make it and not be really bummed out uh you have to try and find the funny in there you have to see the fun and amusing parts sure you have to be able to see these people that um are still young people inside of their their kind of older frailer bodies yeah and lots of times we have a great time and being a comedian it's great i can tell the same joke over and over and lots of times I, I can just work out material if I need to. So it's you, good. You have a guaranteed audience, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. I get 40 minutes of their undivided attention. I can't oh get that God. at a bar. Now do, do, do these, mo- I, I, I love to see, I forget all my prepared questions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which for the sake of all of our listeners and, and viewers now, Dan has no idea what I'm going to ask him, but the beautiful thing here is screw my list. It doesn't matter because <laughs> I, I, I love where we're going right now. I, I adore the fact that you said that these are young or, you know, sometimes for lack of better words, young, strong minds trapped in deteriorating bodies, right? Yeah. So they're there, right? And, and, and when you're doing this stuff, are, are they receptive to 
laughing? Are they receptive to, again, what kind of the core of this broadcast has always been about? Humor heals. I mean, my business partner, Marcel, she, she hashtagged, I think she created it. We, she should get a quarter every time someone <laughs> used hashtag humor heals, because I believe that wholeheartedly. That's been a huge motivation behind my life. And mm -hmm. I mean, do they react well? Do you see things differently? Do they react differently? And I keep saying react, that's not the right word. Do they act differently? Do they respond differently when you're doing things humorously for them? Like, yes. can, you, can you share any of those types of, of, of things? Because that, that just fascinates me about kind of an opportunity you have every day, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like test patients are. Yeah, the, I think it always starts first because they're in a very vulnerable position where yeah. It's not like an outpatient clinic, you know, you, you hurt your shoulder, you pay your $25 copay, you get approved from insurance and you come in and make that choice. Mm -hmm. uh, these are people that were so sick that they were able to leave the hospital, but not able to go home. So it's not that like they're there against their, you know, against their will, but they don't have the option of going home. So there's definitely, you have to establish trust with them that, hey, I know what I'm doing. I am going to get you better. We're going to be on the same team. And like I said before, I'm, I'm usually pushing them to do something different or sure. maybe something that they don't want to do. Sure. Uh, but I have this 45 minutes with them. And, you know, I mean, I'm, we've both been in conversations where you're with somebody for almost an hour and you don't laugh once. You're yeah. just kind of looking forward to it being over. And so... <laughs> <laughs> they do respond well because, you know, the, these are older people. We got to give them breaks during, you can't exercise for 40 minutes straight. Yeah. Yeah. And so during the breaks, we'll just talk. I'll ask them questions. I think they really, a lot of my patients, they, they have so few people asking them what they think about something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that. I'll, I'll tell them about, you know, my family, uh, tell them funny things that I saw or, you know, saw on the way to work, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I was working with a lady and today blazing down our street. Cause we had a lot of wind up here. Mm -hmm. Somehow an exercise ball got loose from somebody's front yard or something. <laughs> and we're walking in. I mean, we're, uh, we're sitting in their room and I just see an exercise ball rip down the street at about 30 <laughs> miles an hour. And it's just a normal human, you know, if you were with your friend at a coffee shop, you'd be like, like what in the did you, did you just see that <laughs> what was that and you know so there's there's a lot of those things where it just makes it more normal and i think when we're having a more normal conversation they're 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 gonna trust me more and they're more yeah. willing to take chances so i absolutely love that yeah. um can you talk for a minute about what's changed now over the past 10 months because I'm assuming, again, I'm making an assumption, which you know what that means. Um, I'm assuming what a lot of what you do is hands-on. Yes. How has that changed? Have you not been able to do, like, are, are you faced with limitations now? Um, how are you working around that? And are, are, the, are the patients still doing okay? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of desperate to hear this from, I'm, I'm about to call you a horse, um, from the horse's mouth, someone who's really doing right. these things versus what can I trust on television? What can I trust to be a social media? You know, how has your job changed? And again, is, is it, is it, is it getting any better? Like what's, yeah, there, there are some, yeah. So I, I'm very fortunate that I work at a, you know, it's a smaller family run company mm -hmm. uh, where they really value the presence of animals, uh, children coming in, family mm -hmm. members kind of where it was, it was an inpatient facility, but it definitely had a very community feel. There were lots of activities. Um, our rehab room was kind of like the, the hub. So we'd have five different patients in there with five different therapists. We're all laughing, joking around, crosstalk across the room, a lot of fun. Uh, then once the pandemic hit, we really had to be very careful um, for, let's see, probably about a month. Mm. there actually a couple weeks to a month there were, it was total isolation in room so people weren't leaving their rooms meals were brought to them yeah um you know the baths that people were getting were like bed baths because 
we just couldn't risk because uh, you know COVID was just spreading like wildfire. Yeah, yeah. These centers, and so now when somebody comes in, um, well, let me let me back up because I think maybe my facility is a little different, mm-hmm. um, but across the country nursing homes and like inpatient rehab centers, we haven't been allowed to have visitors. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big hit to our clientele. Sure. Um, not being able to have their family come in and visit. We have ways to have window visits, um, you know, or other ways where they can communicate. You have iPads, but it's not the same as getting a hug from, a, you know, getting a hug from a loved one. Of course not. Yeah. Or having the grandkids. So yeah. Uh, so that part has definitely changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of isolation protocols that we have based on COVID tests, uh, possible exposure. So if somebody goes to the hospital, um, even if it's just for like a, a scare of shortness of breath and comes back, yeah. then they have to have like two week isolation period. And so, so my job has changed a lot in that rather than bringing people to my simulated kitchen mm-hmm. that I have or working with them in groups where they're, they're partnering with other people and both people are working on something that they need. It's one-on-one in a room, you know, typically door closed. Yeah. And so it's definitely stepped up the amount that I need to be engaging. Yeah. And, you know, you feel a little bit more on during those times. Um, our facility was a little bit different than some other ones in that we were one of the first ones hit really hard by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was obviously the one in Kirkland. Uh, ours hit in March. And wow. let's see, I think 95% of our clientele uh, got COVID. We lost about 33% oh, of so sorry. our population. Yeah. I got it. My wife, like 35 of my coworkers, it just ripped through. Um, and, you know, during those times, you try, you're trying your best, you're bleaching everything, you're, you're borderline yep. opening door handles with bleach. And it just, it was going. And then, you know, we're getting donations of PPE from local businesses where mm-hmm. like we have these gowns where you're like, is this, is this an old tablecloth or is this a bedspread? And I'm <laughs> because there's just such a shortage still. Yeah. So it, it was wild times, you know, for, about six months, um, all of us were doing things that were not our job. I was working as a nursing assistant, mm-hmm. you know, pulling double shifts and all of us were shifting around. I was buffing floors. Wow. Um, I was, you know, it, it was a big team effort and it really brought our team closer, mm-hmm. but the way that it is now, you know, it is very, very different. And I, we have some ways for families to be able to spend some time, but it's one of those things where if you take grandpa out for dinner, then he's got to go do a two week isolation two after weeks. that. Oh. So it, it's incredible. tough times. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it makes, makes me almost want to just start cracking jokes for some reason, just to get that sort of vision out of my head. But I mean, huge, yeah. huge kudos to you and everyone there at the facility. Um, do you, do you want to call them out? Do you, do you want to say anything positive about them in case any of them pay attention? The place that you're, that, that you're working, do you want to give them a nod? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'll probably hold off on okay. my facility name, uh, okay. but we had some amazing staff members and we also had uh, a team of eight nurses from Peace Health up oh, in Bellingham okay. yep. that actually volunteered to come out and help us. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So they, they basically took a furlough afterwards so they could quarantine and they, they did a huge, huge help by, by filling in for some nursing and uh, needs because we were just, like I said, everybody was out. I mean, it was the yeah. point where most of me and my coworkers were working through COVID. We had it, wow. but we just, yeah, so. Amazing. Um, okay, so you told us what you do. Which, by the way, thank yeah. you, because <laughs> a lot of people are still Google googling what occupational ther- therapist does. Right. Um, and you've you've mentioned some of the some of that, frankly, nightmare that you went through, and and right. where where you've gotten to at this point, which to me just sounds remarkable. Um, 
<laughs> Again, for anyone who's listening or watching these for the first time, I, I, I do a massive deep dive into what you've done before. And <laughs> Dan, I've never gotten a more varying, vast, massive <laughs> amount of previous jobs. And with your permission, I just want to read off a couple just so everybody yeah. gets an idea is why I was literally saying, what in the hell? How did you? What you really because you've been a caddy, you've been a janitor, which by the way harkens back toward your story as far as why you were great and probably volunteered to buff some floors for a while. Yeah, you've been a Trader Joe's employee. So I only recently learned you all you wore Hawaiian shirts, so you so you're well versed in, in, in that carnival equipment maintenance guy, a camp yes. counselor. Um, uh, oh, and a park ranger. Yeah. Dan, what journey were you on <laughs> between all of these jobs? Were you, like, it, 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 explain what is going on, or may, maybe also what's next um, aside from comedy, because that right. is amazing. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, I think I, th I think occupational therapy is going to stick. I've been doing that for eleven years, but uh, I started working at. I started working at 14 at kind of like a ritzy country club being a okay. golf caddy. Okay. Uh, making more money than any 14 year old should, you know, carrying bags for, for, for the super wealthy in Newcastle. Wow. And that was a great summer gig. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot of fun, but you know, not something that's really sustainable when you're going to school. <laughs> so left that one janitor. I, I just never felt comfortable being at home. Uh, I always had to go from one thing to another thing. And so I always tried to have a job during high school. So I was a janitor for a couple of years there. Then and Trader Joe's was a great one year gig, uh, but I had moved to Spokane and there was no Trader Joe's there at the time. So I had to leave that one. The carnival maintenance guy. Yeah. Uh, so down Riverfront Park. Okay. Yeah. So Riverfront Park is a beautiful park in downtown Spokane. And during the during the wintertime, they have an ice rink. And during the summertime, they have like a small amusement park. I'd, I'd put it at like a, a very small county fair level. And so I was working as maintenance for like the carousel where you're mostly just trying to take care of really old wood greasing gears. And they called me over and they said, Hey, we need you over here now doing this. And they said, we need to put together this mini roller coaster. I said, I've never done that before. He said, but I'll it'll be fine. You'll figure it out as you go along. <laughs> and how many, so that's why my kids that summer. <laughs> yeah. right. And so that's why my kids don't ride carnival rides. Cause, Cause I know the level of uh, yeah. safety that was entrusted to me. Cause but, goods. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so that, that was, that was fun. But uh, the, the job I had my eye on because there was a very serious time where I thought about being a police officer. Okay. Was the park ranger one. And that was one of the best jobs I've ever had. I got paid to ride my bike outside. Uh, you got to get in adventures. Yeah. I did drug bus stop pedophiles. There was a big really? population that would hand out. Yeah. Yeah. Now was uh, this, it, was this still in in uh, Spokane? Yeah, okay. It was the same park. I, I I did a lateral transfer. So wow. Um, can you can yeah? So can that you, was can a, you do a the the imitation of of Smokey the Bear. Can you do the the proper look and imitation? <laughs> Only you can prevent. You know. Well, what I would actually do is if I somebody was going to be aggressive, I would. Yeah. I'm like I don't want to try and out alpha every single person, so I'd pretend to be Canadian. So like, oh, hey, guys, park closes at nine. I'm going to need you to pour those drinks out. <laughs> and people would do it. And it'd oh be so God. much. I'm like, just be sweet with them. Nobody wants to fight. No one but says no it, to it. It was a great job. I oh know. Right? God, Dan, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes being the alpha doesn't always win. Um, and that was also where learning how to use humor you know, you, you learn to diffuse things a whole bunch when yeah, yeah. Well, you're part of the carnival, you got a bunch of pissed off little cotton candy covered Satanists, little tiny children things running around too, right? 
right because that's just horrible yep. <laughs> yeah well i my so that, was, oh, please, go ahead. oh no they were they were all fun gigs and i feel like all of those things actually built up mm -hmm. into the the job that i have now you know being a janitor got me uncomfortable with gross stuff yeah uh doing security helped me learn how to kind of de-escalate a lot of situations when sure. people are getting frustrated it, it was it was all in preparation well plus just how to deal with people from spokane i mean just <laughs> just, a, just the fact that <laughs> that you went full canadian on them eh i think that's mm -hmm. brilliant i mean that's not being alpha it's not being beta it's being c it's being canadian <laughs> right that's that's brilliant um my my follow-up question was going to be are there any stories that you can pull from any of those previous jobs but you but you might have pretty much nailed it with the uh, with the canadian part yeah um, but i mean is there like a camp oh let me let me give a little uh exclusive tip to all the shut up please, and laugh listeners please yes yeah all, all five of them for, go ahead <laughs> yeah for, for trader joe's mm -hmm. only the managers wear hawaiian shirts Oh. So if you really need something done, look for the Hawaiian shirt. If it's a t-shirt, they're they they haven't gotten full-time benefits yet. Oh, so. that's important. Now, see, I don't know if if you realize this, and I, I posted about it, I don't know, it doesn't matter a few weeks weeks back. I finally went to my first Trader Joe's. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you I, think? I was very confused. Yeah. Very confused. I actually felt like a Canadian down in America for the first time. It was, it was nothing made sense. No, no brand names. I recognized everything looks very healthy, which is very scary to me. And I, I did not, I did not feel comfortable. So maybe oh, I could, you must've missed the center aisle. The center <laughs> aisles were all the, like every single one in their freezer aisle, that's where all the cookies, all the candy, oh. Can't quite the ice cream. Oh, they oh, have oh. cookie butter ice cream. Just, I mean, it's it's fantastic. You just did the French thing over a trailer. I did the chef's bar. kiss. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it'll change your life because you seem like you've had a pretty good life, but oh. but it, it's pretty good. It'll I, it'll I'm make your Saturday. For change, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping for some improvements. Um, okay, well, um, yeah, I I I do know that they have a mean soft pretzel. Yeah, the, uh, let's I, see, I the, the microwave burritos are pretty good. Oh, see that? No, that, no. I don't know if I could do that because I have an air fryer now. I don't know if you've seen the adventures of Big oh, Red. Yeah. Big so Red. I, 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 can't, I, I, I can't use a microwave for a burrito. That seems sacrilegious now, but it's okay. Yeah. I have it. But you could air fry one. <laughs> good. That'd be very scary. Um, Dan, tell me about, and, and, and tell everybody again who's watching or listening what you're doing now with comedy. Um, you are, to me, I don't want to get in trouble saying this, you're one of the few comedians, I think, right now that are very actively in, in embracing technology and just rocking it. Now that isn't a comment on the fact that I'm sure you're a multimillionaire now and you have 10 homes and all that type of stuff. I'm saying that you're providing a venue, you're providing opportunity, you're providing exposure, you're paying the comedians. Um, tell us about what you're doing with the grind. This this is all about you right now. Oh, tell thanks. me how it started, what you're doing, and how and how's it going. With the preface going, I already know all the answers, but right. I want to hear it from you because you need to embrace this because you're a badass with this. So talk about the grind. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, let's see, we started kind of the preliminary work back in October, mm -hmm. uh, primarily just because I really miss comedy. Mm -hmm. During the, the heat of the pandemic, I kept writing stand-up, but I was working so many odd shifts. Um, there were a few people doing some outdoor shows that were kind of, you know, on the borderlines of whether or not it's legal. Um, and I, I just, I didn't want to be a hypocrite yeah. and yeah. be a part of some of those with what I was preaching for, as a healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. And so I just really miss going up. And I think I saw that the comedy scene that was out there that were most popular were like YouTube live streams, yeah, uh, yeah. Facebook live, and comics hated it. 
everybody was saying, don't mess around with online comedy. Uh, it's, it's no fun. You can't hear anybody's laugh. You can't hear, um, you know, you feel like you're just talking to a, a screen and it's dead air. And a lot of people still feel that way. But I, I wanted to take a hard look at how can I create a venue because nobody else is doing it, mm -hmm. at least at the time they weren't. And how do I create something that I would want to be a part of? Yeah. And so we took a, a good hard look. I put out some feelers within my local comedy community of, hey, I want to start doing this. Uh, we'd done things like let's workshop jokes together. And I said, I want to create a just an open mic. And who would be interested in just getting comfortable with it first? So we spent about two, three weeks, just everybody getting used to doing a set to a camera yeah. and having, you know, less laughter, different laughter. We, yeah. we practiced with what mics would look like. And we, we tried to really lay a good ground layer. And I knew that it's going to have to be my baby. So I'm going to make it exactly what I want it. And after that point, we said, okay, I think we're ready for an audience. And we started inviting some friends um, where we just said, hey, let's just have a couple people. We don't want this to be too big and have it be really awful. And then sure. we don't want to show our faces. And it went well. People approached it professionally. We had kind of like a core group of regular people. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Use some of my comedy connections uh, that I've made with people. Ask a great guy, Kermit Apio. Uh, the Apio, sorry, Kermit Apio. Kermit Apio. Apio. Yep. Apio. Apio. I, I'd said it so many different ways <laughs> that I'm sure he's I, never I, heard the variances. <laughs> right. I, I started to second guess myself. Yeah. Um, but had him on, had a friend of mine who is a great comic out of Vancouver mm -hmm. and a couple others. And I said, let's just add a little bit of star power and see if we can get some more people. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think what was holding a lot of comics back from wanting to do some of these shows is I don't want to perform to a bunch of comics And the easiest yeah. draw was saying, Hey, I've got an audience. They're well-trained in that yeah. they're, they're going to behave themselves and we've got live laughter. So you tell a joke, you're going to hear something. Yeah. And it's really grown from there where I can reach out and say, Hey, we've got 50 to 70 people in the audience. Um, you know, these are the other comics that have been on it and they've had fun and it just keeps drawing. And now I'm going off of referral basis. I don't even have to work that hard to, to book it. I mean, we've got, they're, uh, they're coming to you. Right. And these are people with late night TV credits. Yeah. If you're the, the show is called the grind with Dan Mills. If you're doing a search on, on Facebook, um, I'm, I'm terrible about social media promotion it is my biggest weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I should talk to Marcel. Um, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. She would love uh, Dan. Dan, she'd love to hear from you, man. And and yeah. and be kind. You're not terrible on social media. You all your stuff is being updated on Instagram all the time. So I'll make sure that you know underneath your name here, I'll 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 put one of those links so people can can follow that as well. Nice. But no, dude, it's it's just it's been such a joy to watch. And, and and again, all cards on the table. You and I have had a couple conversations about how you're doing what you're doing, because my company yeah. Laugh Tech wants to eventually get back into offering the same type of thing. And frankly, you know, copying is a technically a form of sincere yeah. flattery. Um, you know, we are we we would run it a little bit differently, but obviously mm -hmm. that's a good thing. But what you're doing is working, and I just love it. I've I've been I've been an audience member now twice. Unfortunately, Thursdays Thursdays at nine, right? That's Wednesdays at nine. Wednesdays, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wednesdays at nine is difficult for me, um, and for the record, Thursdays at nine are also difficult. Um, it's 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 because I'm old and I'm 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 asleep <laughs> at that point. Um, but it's been neat to see how many people have been in the audience. Like that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's just been great. I think there were 35, 45 some odd people the first time I was on. Mm -hmm. And then last time, like you said, they're like 70 people. They're three damn screens, you know, yeah. and I love that. And that has to feel good, right? It feels great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you're concentrating on bringing humor 
to the masses because right now I love the fact that it doesn't matter where you are, right? I know that's kind of a no duh thing, but do you know how many people realize after the fact, oh shoot, I could have been to that event. No, no shoot people, it's online, you know? And, yeah. and you're using the format that works. It's this one, it's Zoom. It is working, it hasn't gotten any worse, thank God. The, the Unabomber, you know, um, uh, uh, butt cheek bombers have, have stopped being on the majority of the events because they're blocked and able to be controlled by the waiting room and the other features. And you're bringing the funny, man. I appreciate that, bro. It's amazing. Um, does it feel good to you and to everyone else in the comedic network that this is happening? Yeah, yeah. I think in our local scene, um, there's a lot of people that are just saying, I'm taking a break from comedy until we're able to be live again. I just, yeah. it's, it's not for me, Yeah. but it, everybody that's been a part of it, I've, I've yet to have somebody be like, "Ugh, tough room, man. Or, <laughs> Ooh, that's a rough. Yeah. Like I did not have fun. Um, usually every time after I'm getting messages of like, Oh my gosh, I know it's not live standup, but that's about as close as it could get online. And that, that feels really great. Phenomenal. And I, I, I love too that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take care of local comics. You know, it's, it, it's tempting to want a book with all like New York city pro comics, but yeah. I, I love that there's a set of local comics that are getting exposure Yeah, and they're getting an opportunity to play with, you know, the, the, the big kids, you know, so to speak, where, where I, I felt like that, you know, a couple of weeks ago where you have these people that you've watched live, you know, you've paid 30 bucks to go see them at a theater at or, or at a, you know, at a club. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, yeah, we're, we're just, we're all telling jokes together. Yeah. And that, that has, I, I've honestly felt a little bit like a war profiteer. Like it's not <laughs> like, it doesn't feel fair. I'm like, I shouldn't be able to get these people to a audience that yes, it's spread out, but a lot of it's kind of Northwest Washington people. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm saying it all the time on the show. You guys, this is such a big deal that this person's on our show. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's just fun. I've had a yeah. lot of people say, thanks for what you're doing for the community. That feels really good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, I mean, it's, it's incredibly well deserved and, you know, I, I feel the same way way down here in the, you know, Bothell, Linwood, Kirkland, Bellevue, Seattle-ish geography, because when we were able to have our shows with the other company, Laugh Tech, um, it was so great to just provide two venues to the no. comedians and you know granted it was a whole different thing we were charging for the events and we were paying comics based off of how many minutes they were on stage and everything else and then some of those real expensive ones i figured out how to how to freaking pay but i mean they were so thankful just to have a mic mm -hmm. you know and 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 they were so surprised that marcel and i were so stoked to meet them they were like oh my god you're nice people and and and, and again 25 plus years ago i did comedy there's a reason i stopped as if you know you're learning right now why i stopped it's the longest conversation that we've ever had um but it's such hard work and i i forget that sometimes i forget how hard it is to do what you do and i didn't realize that frankly it hasn't gotten any better from the standpoint and and there's a point here as far as how many times you comedians are treated like crap by certain venues and all those types of things. So it's been such an incredible learning experience for the past three years of bringing comedy to the stage at Laugh Tech. Now this, you're doing it right. We haven't done it. We stopped during COVID. We, we almost ramped up again in July when we were gonna have a chance and right. we booked the show at one of the venues then we had to pull it back and it broke everyone's hearts. So um, the fact that you're doing it and it's working, um, I'm gonna get you more, more audience members, ma'am. Awesome. because i'll yeah. definitely put all your digits and your gadgets and your posts and your links and whatever <laughs> on your facebook and everything else because you guys deserve it up there you know well thank you and awesome. you know it, what circling back one of the things that i love about doing this is being able to create a venue and a uh, a show that i would want to see mm -hmm. you know you feel some responsibility of like yeah. i, I 
it's almost like carefully curated comedy, you know, where like, I want to present a, a diverse lineup. Yeah. You know, you don't want to have all white guys, you know, all straight white guys on one audience. It gets yeah. really boring. So, yeah. you know, we, most of our shows, it's, it's almost 50, 50 of female to male comics. Mm -hmm. It, you know, there's not as many. So it's something I've been feeling really proud about. The female comics tend to be doing better than the male ones. Yeah. And it's, it's great to finally, um, not finally, because lots and lots of people have known that there are so many great field female comedians, but just yeah. giving yeah. another avenue of like, this person's awesome. If you don't know about them, you should. And just, just being able to, to promote a wide variety of perspectives, because yeah. in a lot of places, you're playing by somebody else's rules. Yeah. You know, the, the larger clubs or uh, some of those, it's, it's out of your hands. You don't really have a whole lot of production power. Yeah, you, you, you've actually almost unintentionally torn down some walls and or ceilings, which I think is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and, and you do have a diverse group of comedians too, which I really, really like. Um, really briefly before I, I move on to one or two of the last few questions here, um, yeah. give the audience here an idea of what they're going to expect on those shows. You know, how many are doing, you know, two, three minutes or whatever, you know, how many are doing a 20 minute set, whatever. Give us an idea of what they're expecting in that. In, is it 60 minutes? I'm trying to it's remember. I, I've been drunk during both of them, so I don't remember. <laughs> It's uh that, that explains so much. It so does. much about the chat. That's why I kept the uh, off, you know. <laughs> uh it's about a 75 minute show. Okay. And full disclosure to everyone here, it was the reason why it's called the grind, uh, one because it's a very light pun with my last name being Mills. Mm -hmm. But the grind is just about the talk of the work of of comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's presented to all the comics as a place to have you're doing a set, but you're you're working out new material. You're trying right, new jokes. Yeah, yeah. Or for some comics, you're you're dusting off old material that you haven't done in ten months, and you're trying to get used how to do those jokes again. Yeah. Um. So there's about usually eight to nine comics. Some of them are doing about five minute sets, and then some of them are doing seven or eight minute sets. Okay. You're not going to get any. 20 minute headliners. Sometimes if we're the show's rolling really fast and the headliners just killing or not, not a, not a headliner, but like one of the last people that's going sure. up is just absolutely killing. I'll, I'll just let him keep going because yeah. everybody's having such a good time. That's awesome. Um, and we try and keep it pretty neat and tidy because at 9 PM, most people have already been on a screen for a good chunk of the day. Yeah, they're they're probably ready for bed. So I don't do too much material in between. We just want to get them to as many punchlines as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's been a method that's been working for us. I know a lot of people do different setups. Some it's 30 comics doing three minutes. This is just the one where it feels easy enough for me to corral if somebody's having a good show. Uh, you know, a great set that they can kind of work a few things out. Mm -hmm. it's a method that's worked for us i love it well I, I i wish you nothing but continued success with your shows um like i said i'll post all the information how how can people come find you and hopefully be a part of your audience um we're gonna we're gonna pivot that's my word okay. that's my 2020 most hated word pivot because i just right. hate it um but i want to hear about daddy dan Yes. Because, dude, you, you've been married since 2006, right? right? You got married at age 20 to the lovely Kate Mills. Yes. Um, was her maiden name Grind? Like, is there something? Yeah. Anyway, um, she's beyond adorable. Um, I hope Thank I don't you. get in trouble for saying that. You have the uh, only paling in comparison to my adorable kids. Your kids are just, they look so cool, man. They really oh, do. Um, explain to me about your dynamic at home. How's it going with the pandemic? Um, any distance learning humor? I mean, like, like, how are you facing these stressors? How are your kids doing? How are you and your bride doing? Give, give me that little, little look. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we've been doing pretty well. My wife is a teacher and uh -huh. she's been responsible. Um, her job is a education technology coach, which she was doing pre-pandemic. And then her job really ramped up 
um, you know, with, you with the start of all Zoom learning. You should and, look into occupational therapy, you know? Right. <sighs> so she's been, you know, it, it has been a scramble for the past 10, 11 months, just trying yeah. to get a lot of these teachers where, you know, if, if they've been doing something one way for 20 years, it's tough to learn an all new teaching methodology and trying yeah. to get them Overnight, all prepared. Right. So she's been great. It's been a nice relief for us mm -hmm. um, with her being at home. This is her office um, and my kids being able to be at home too. So we haven't had to worry about as much of the daycare scenarios. Yeah. Um, the yeah. kids, I, I think my oldest daughter, she's a very independent learner. Um, does does great with my younger one really really missing her friends mm. but they've they've both adjusted well they have one or two kids that they're allowed to go play with masks you know you know go play with yeah. with their masks on and all that but i think that's the toughest part not being able to do some of their their usual things sure. do um, they get along good with with each other yes i mean they they love each other but we did make a little bit of a pivot oh, oh, in these oh. unprecedented times <laughs> um, <laughs> where we, we did set up almost like a little office for them up in, uh, the, there's like a little loft area sure. where we can just have them separated. But they, they do pretty well. I've been amazed with their self-sufficiency. Yeah. You know, being able to make their own food and oh, do all wow. that stuff during the during the day. And it's allowed you know, cause there's three different schedules in the house. It's allowed them to all be able to thrive, but you, you had asked about how they're dealing with it. My one daughter, you know, she's just, when she's done with her schoolwork, she, her nose is buried in a book or she's oh, out cool. on a walk with friends. Yeah. But my other one, I came in and I, my apologies, if you get the audio portion, uh, you know, if you're just listening on the audio podcast, but I came out and I saw her just staring down the zoom screen and she's got, let me see if I can get in a frame. She's just got her hand on the table in the pen and she's going between each of her fingers like this, just dead eyeing the teacher. Knifey, knifey, stabby, stabby. <laughs> right, just playing stab scotch. Oh and, and the poor teacher, I mean, she's gonna leave her alone, but you know, she just looks like a grizzled war vet, but oh my like God. a unicorn onesie. How, how old is she? She's almost nine. Oh my God, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, Dan, your, your kids sound a lot like mine. Um, I, I have a 10 and eight year old and the biggest thing I am so thankful for is the fact that, well, two things that they don't cook for themselves because they, they can't even burn like warm up water yet. Um, but the fact that they like each other and the fact yeah. that they're so good with each other. If, if not, I would literally have one out on the back deck you know, 24 seven, you know, ch chained to a space heater just so I don't get jailed. Um, Cause I don't take any crap, but that's just been the biggest thing. And yeah, um, they're, they're both acting and reacting pretty good to this, the, the distance learning thing. Yeah. Um, we, we pulled them from the school district where my house is okay. at the last minute. Cause we were going to put them completely on an online program. And that ended up putting us on a wait list a day before school was going to start. Oh no! And it was just like, oh, like we had no school to put him in. Yeah. So then their mother immediately, like within four hours, got him registered at 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 that location, and it was perfect. And they had laptops on the way, and everything's good. And you know, again, thank God they take after their mother from the brain cell perspective because they're wicked smart and they're doing good. And I'm so proud, but at the same time, good. God, get them out of my house, you know, <laughs> get, get them back into school. You know, I want them to have the childhood we had. Right. And, right. you know, I want them to be able to use spitballs in the classroom I mean, I'm, and, you know, you know, beat up the kids you don't like, whatever. Um, I was not a good student, but it's just, it's just one of those, those things they're missing out on so much, but I'm, 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 I'm glad to hear that, you know, you, <laughs> it's going okay. Um, yeah. Do you have any, um, you know, nuggets of genius that your that your wife would want to pass through you, and oh, that sounded very almost crude. The, now that I've said that, but you know, like like anything that people can take away from this in regard to those situations, any any in, inspiration. That's a, as as far hurt. as as far as how to to help out the kids, how to yeah, um, how to deal with these little demons. I, I mean, lovely children, <laughs> and their traumas. Well, 
Well, I mean, you know, the, it's tough because it's really hard to be a good student if you don't have some of your basic needs met. And, you know, if somebody's listening to this podcast, they probably do have, you know, access to the food, access to, you know, technology, something like that. But I think just making sure that, you know, the obviously the kids are well-fed and they have sleep and all that, but I think it's great when they do have a spot where they can concentrate. A lot of families don't have that ability, you know, and, and something that's tailored to your learner, you know, cause I, I know you and I, we probably learned a lot differently in high school and just trying to, it's the one time where you can kind of carve out a learning space that is exactly what you need. Yeah. You know, when you go to school, it won't be that way. So if your kid needs to have fidgets or, you know, sit on a wobbly ball or something like that, that this is a great time to do it. You know, that if they need to, as soon as they're, you know, on a break from class, go run around in the backyard or jump on a trampoline, they can do that. Yeah. But just trying to figure out what your student, you know, needs to to yeah. do their best it's that release of energy you know because they always learn better when they're breathing harder you know after right. setups or anything um no i i, I agree 100 percent. thank you for sharing um there's there's a lot of soft kids right now they're they're missing out on the calisthenics they're missing out on the traveling from room to room even they're missing out on frankly the stress <laughs> of right, being right. in the classroom environment and without that, I think there's something happening right now that people all have to be aware of. And I do think you can address some of it with humor, right? Get them laughing, get them listening, get them learning. Or at the same time, um, give them chores to do that you're something yeah. that's burning off that access energy, right? So yeah. amazing. Um, I, 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 again, this always sounds hokey, but I, I, can, I wish them continued success. Um, because it's really hard. This is a whole generation of kids that are in trouble. And I love the fact that your wife is home and you're, that you're able to come home every day. Granted, you're in a hazmat suit and not very huggable, but it's <laughs> important that, you know, that environment stays the same as much as possible. Um, so Dan, we're, we're almost done, man. We're almost oh, okay. done with the hour. It, it, it creeps up quickly. Um, I want to hear about inspiration. I, I, I just mentioned that a minute ago and it's a perfect tangent. We all have inspirations in some way, shape or form. I'm, I'm curious, um, in your case, was it someone on TV, public figures, uh, you know, everything from teachers to parents to pastors, who helped you? Who, who did you or even do you still look up to today? Um, or even who looked out for, for you? Can you, can, you, can you answer that real quick? Yeah, yeah, there have been, you know, obviously so many people that have been absolutely foundational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a empathy and just kindness perspective, um, had a fantastic youth pastor growing up, but also had a great health teacher in high school. That was one of those really above and beyond people cool. where every kid that was in her class knew like she really deeply, deeply cared about you. That's and awesome. that was, that was something that I, when I went to, to college, I wanted to be a health teacher because of her. Uh, there were just no jobs and I really valued sure. feeding my young family. Yeah. And well, so <laughs> hence the, hence the grad course. school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, for comedy, which is a big, you know, love of my life, there's, there's been absolutely so many, but I think one of the biggest ones was my grandfather. Mm just always a very funny person. One of his, and I'd say I've adopted this characteristic and sometimes it gets me in trouble, but he just loves pulling the wool over his eye of yeah. people's eyes. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I noticed myself doing that today where um, I, I got a new pair of scrubs and somebody said, wow, those are really nice. Did like, aren't those like an expensive brand? I said, yeah, but the guy who, uh, I mean, but I got them for 70% off because the first person died wearing them. And they're like, really? Like, that's a thing? And I'm like, no, that's not a thing. It's like, a no, horrible I just paid money. thing. <laughs> right, like, you know, just, just seeing what people will believe. And it's a, I'm sure it's probably hurt my trust level with somebody. And then I have to mix it up with like three truths later so they know yeah. that. They just see the glimmer in your eye, but 
and maybe some ice cream or something to right. soften the blow, man. Yeah, so so we'll have you on again soon, uh, uh, talking about self-deprecating humor. When just not? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So there, there's been um, several comedians. I think one of the ones that, if our audience doesn't know about him already, Gary Goleman, mm. uh, who has performed several times here in Seattle. Um, he wrote a special, which I think did more, his special called The Great Depression, which was on HBO, did more for mental health than probably 10 or 12 books combined mm -hmm. as far as normalizing it, um, helping people see what mental illness really is like, yeah. but in such a funny way that was so connecting. And so he was great, not... And I didn't connect so much on the mental um, illness portion, but I love his use of language and it's just always so smart. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he, he had a clip on uh, Conan, which was the 50 states abbreviation thing where it, it got millions and millions of views and it was so good. It was so good, but People like that where you're like, man, that is just brilliant. I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. Those are, those are ones that it appeals to what my brain goes to. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay. So before we do the James Lipton tribute, mm. it's three questions that everyone does not like being asked. Okay. Um, give us one thing today you want to leave with the listenership and the now viewership about Dan Mills. You sum you up. Dan Mills to sum me up. I just really want to be known as somebody that cares incredibly deeply and at the same time wants you to, to leave feeling better about yourself. I think I, that's always my goal and I frequently fail, but um, if, if somebody can leave an interaction with me feeling like whether it's they smiled, they feel better about the choices that they're making or who they are, or they feel more valid or seen as a person, um, I would be just thrilled. Then you've done your job. Outstanding. All right, my man. Very cool. All right, let's go ahead and do the James Lipton nod. Um, what is one of your biggest pet peeves? Hmm. It could be mouth noises but okay i i do that too much to my wife okay like to, to bother her oh um, i'm going to interview her next okay i know right so so uh, no but but i would say the you know that kind of asmr yeah oh, noise God, that just no. is terrible oh I've, I've just lost 60% of my listenership just with that sound. Okay, good, good, good. Um, what is your favorite place that you've traveled to or want to travel to? Favorite place that I've traveled to would probably have to be Norway. Okay. We got to go see our family. Um, my, I know this isn't like a one word answer, but. No, not my, even. <laughs> yeah. But my wife was on a reality TV show in Norway. So oh, wow. She's a good. Yeah, so she she did that. Uh, because of that show, we got to get reconnected with a ton of family members over there. And so when we went to Norway, we got to basically have a family reunion mm. for the first time with all these people we'd never met. And now they're some of our best friends. That's amazing. It that was amazing. Be the best non one word answer for that question ever. Yeah, I want to hear apologize. all about that game show. No, no, don't, don't. So the last question you yes. actually kind of unintentionally answered about when I told you about the Dan Mills question, because you said, I want to be known for. So dad, burn it. Yeah. But now you have to give me another answer. Because the last question is, if you could be known for one thing only, what would that be? Great father. Awesome. I love it when people go the father route. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, Dan, thank you so much for being part of this show. I really, really appreciate um, a seeing you again, connecting with you, yeah. giving you some accolades, hearing about your well-deserved um, heroism, along with your team up <laughs> at the place, which shall remain unnamed, that you do occupational therapeutic 
work at, did I say that right? It's close enough. It's yeah. close enough. God, well, you said Kermit Apayo, so he's going to kick your it's butt. It's true. Um, <laughs> I'm going to end with our little, um, little inspiration that I do for you, hopefully, and for everyone out there listening and now watching. Um, when you're out there in between these podcasts, um, living your life now socially distanced and safe uh, with everyone around you that you know and love, um, please be a witness, be real, be present to those that you care about. And why do I ask this of you, Dan? Glad you didn't ask. Um, everyone, I'm just challenging you to try it. Give it a whirl because every, every day at some point, we just need to be together at the same time, take a moment and shut up and laugh. Thanks again, Dan. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Thank you, Brian. You too.